0: Coming up on today's episode. If your heels are dug in and you're, you don't think you can do it, you can't do it. We have it on our wall, the Henry Ford thing. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. My job is not to pull that out of you that doesn't want to do it. My job is to help the people that want to. You can't help somebody that doesn't want to be helped.
1: Hey, it's Josh Carey, the hidden entrepreneur. Why is that? Well, I spent 40 years hiding. That's right, showing up in every situation, hiding my true talent, my true ability in exchange for seeking the approval of others. No more of that. I'm now on a mission to help those do exactly what you've always known is possible. This is how it's done. And just like that we are recording I'm here with somebody that I've known online for a while and you know in today's day and age that usually suffices as anybody's new bestie like hey we've never met in person but we are as close as as close can be but this person I had the luxury uh, within a week at the time of this recording to cross paths with in person Podfest origins everybody tuning in that's where me and our guest actually met up in person with a few hundred other people it is vincent i want to say the way you've told me it's pronounced but uh try you know it. It. in in america it's uh Pugliese, but uh yeah. you said it was vincent puese
0: that's the italian way you nobody yeah but like i said nobody could even get the americanized version right so we don't even try I'm gonna try to explain the Italian version.
1: So the American is uh Puglisi. Puglisi. Puglisi but, yeah. But Puglisi. you're saying people even mess that up.
0: People mess it all. Like, they mess my first. I can't go to Starbucks without being Vinny. I mean, is there <laughs> even anybody named Bin- Binny Like, I don't get it. I don't... Oh,
1: you go yeah. by you go by Vinny? Oh yeah. Vinny. I go
0: by, uh, that's the whole thing. I'm like, what, what can I go? What do you go by? I'm like Vinny, Vincent, V-Man, Vince. Vincenzo. Vince. The, Vince, none of it bothers me. I will answer to all of them.
1: How do you say your full name, quote unquote, properly in your world?
0: Vincent Puglisi, my proper. That's, but the problem is up until I was like 30, the only person that said it that way was my mom. No joke. The only, per, Vince, the only person that would call me Vincent would be my mom. And then when I, I was a newspaper photographer for so long, and then my name would be printed as Vincent. And then people would be like, hey, Vincent, I'm like, who are you talking to? Nobody calls me Vincent. And then it's kind of slowly turned into that where I'm not really happy about it. So I want to do a prince. I want to get like a symbol or something, be something different. But it's, it's what it's become. So,
1: so it's Vinny Pugliese. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I love Vinnie or Pugliese. Pugliese. Or Vinnie- Vincent, whatever you want to call me. Vincent. Okay. Right. Um, let's just move on to the next segment. You are the founder of Time Life Freedom. No, Total Life Freedom. Total Life Freedom. That's right. Now, I asked you before we hit record what what the title is. You know, you are the founder, the creator, the executive in charge, whatever it is. And you said, it doesn't matter why. I
0: don't go by titles. I think leadership happens naturally. I don't think I need to have the right moniker or whatever. It's like, well, you call me what you want to call me. If I know I'm leading something, I'm leading something. So I don't spend very much time on that. I don't spend very much time on logos. I don't spend very much time on worrying about my... Brand, as you know, I don't I really don't worry about it very much. I think if you do the right work and I think if you do it with heart the way you want, it comes together. Literally, my podcast logo I designed in a half an hour at a library when I already had a logo for our business. I said, I want something different. I put it together. The colors don't even match, the fonts don't match. I don't care. It's fine. Let's go and record and let's let's get on with life. So I don't really worry about that stuff too much.
1: And you said that you ever since you were a little kid, something about not caring about titles. How did that come about?
0: No. I mean, I was a terrible student in school. I didn't follow directions very well. I didn't want to do what everybody else was doing. So titles did, you know, if you're a teacher and you're not really guiding me towards something that's really helpful towards me, but you're just following the the program and you're following the system and you say things like, well, I have to do this, but it's not in my best interest. I kind of, as an arrogant young young New York punk was like, I really don't respect the title if you're not going to do what's best for the people around you. So I kind of had an unhealthy balance with authority from a young age. And that kind of, I don't really want to be that as I'm older. I want to be a good example. I want to be a great leader, but I don't really, just because you have a title doesn't mean anything to me. You're, you, the way you conduct yourself means something to me.
1: Oh, soundbite. My goodness, is that not powerful? <laughs> I love it. Let's go back to um, New York. I should have known. Where?
0: Queens, I was born in Queens Love and it. then it's long suffering Mets fan. Don't care anymore because they're so terrible. And moved to Long Island, Roslyn, Long Island. So we moved to a, oh, wow. a really nice area when we didn't, we were like the poorest people in the nice area, right? So you wind up hanging out with your crowd and they have their crowd. So kind of had a really nice kind of look at the way life can work and, and even relationships going to what we do today in terms of how the hierarchy works and how people are treated in different ways. It was a real, it was a real great education in a lot of different ways.
1: My father was born and raised on the streets of New York. So I love hearing those stories. I myself spent a good chunk of time, 15 years of my life in that magnificent city. So I love it. I'm drawn to it. Do you feel that it played a a good, positive role with who you are and have become today?
0: Yeah, I think it's played a good and bad role in, in some ways where I think I'm more assertive than I ever would be without it. I think I'm more honest, which will piss people off, right? You'll make people unhappy when you tell the truth. And I don't know how to not do that to my fault where like I, I even said it today. I'm like, if you don't want to know the answer, don't ask me the question. And there's people that don't want to know the answer, but they ask a question in a way where it's like, well, if you want me to lie to you, that's, I'm not the right person for you, but if you want the truth, but I'll, I'll try to do it with some, you know, I'll do it with Kuth as we go on. But I think what New York gave me, was an honesty that I think is needed more in this world. I think we have enough of people just being nice to be nice and not wanting to offend people and people don't want to get upset about it. But like, we're not. there's not enough truth. So I think New York gave that to me. It was a lot of truth in terms of what was going on. But it also makes you a little bit harder than other people where you can be a little gruffer than other people. And that didn't always sit well. I think you grow and you learn how to do it better. But there was a period of time where it was like, yeah, it doesn't come across well when you're just as, as blunt as you possibly can be. You need to soften the edges a little bit with that.
1: And you're a coach. That's what you do full-time. So it stands to point out that you, what you just said, you're a coach who tells people the truth almost whether they want to hear it or not. How does that work out for you?
0: It works out to where it, I think it leads to transformational change if listened to and can lead to a situation where it doesn't work out professionally, not, not hard feelings, but it doesn't work out. Like, I don't have time to coach on a long term basis if you're not going to do the work. The point of me doing this is to make a change. If it means you have to be challenged, I think usually it does. You know, we've had situations where people have come to me and they wanted to scale their business, but their health was in terrible shape, terrible shape. They didn't want that pointed out that when your adrenals are shot, I went through it. When you have adrenal fatigue, when you're tired, you're not going to do your best work. You're not going to be able to do your business the way that you want to do it. But when you want to ignore that and you want to just go towards the money, like I'll be honest with you, like you'll get the money, but you got to fix this first. We've had amazing, amazing shifts when people paid attention to that. And then we've had people that are like, no, I just want to do the money. And it's like, if you're not going to do what matters, I'm not in this to just grow a business. I'm in this to really help people. And sometimes like for me, the best change when I was growing up and when I was learning were people that were direct with me about what I was doing wrong. And I had a lot of that. And the people that would just pat me on the head, like, you're fine. Just do your thing. I didn't learn from that. But when people pulled me aside, listen, I got to tell you something. And it it was, and it was honest. It was real, but it was, it was personal and meaningful. I learned from that and I listen to them. So I try to emulate a lot of what I learned, because I think there's not enough doing that. So I think it can lead to a lot of great change. It can lead to somebody not liking you. And it can lead to a business relationship ending because it doesn't work out that way. So I'm cool either way.
1: What was Vincent doing? Give us a story, a specific. What were you doing at some point in your life that comes to mind when people pointed out that "Mm, you could probably be making a a good adjustment or improvement here, telling you like it is?
0: Yeah, I think when in my early 20s, I think I was very much into me. It was very much like, what are my goals? What are my goals? Very selfish, very self directed. You know, even with the book that I'm writing, I think you're going to see that a lot of us come at it that way. How do I build my podcast? How do I get more listeners? How do I do this? Not concerned with, are you helping or are you just doing this because you want to help? I want to grow and get bigger. And we'll see this so often in the business world where I talk a lot about, generous goals over selfish goals. Meaning I had selfish goals for so long. And what, how do I get this? How do I get the money? I had people show me where if you're generous with what you're trying to do, if you're, the thing that you're trying to do is helpful towards others, you'll get everything you want. It's the whole Zig Ziglar line. If you help enough other people get what they want, right? You'll get what you want. You have to learn it for yourself sometimes. So I had some, some serious mentors, whether they were paid or not paid or family that said, you're being a jerk. You're being really self-involved and it looks very shallow and it looks very much like you want what you want and, you, and you're willing to bulldoze people for it. And you might get what you want in the short term. You might succeed in the short term, but in the long term, you're going to hurt relationships. You're going to hurt your career. You're going to hurt your business. And that was, those things were really impactful. Maybe not in the moment. Maybe I got annoyed by it, but those lessons as they've compounded over years has been the greatest, one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned.
1: Where is that fine line between, look, you're going to want what you want, but you're going to bulldoze over people, and shouldn't we want what we want, and shouldn't mm-hmm. we clear as day, go forward almost relentlessly and diligently to get it? So where is the fine line, softening the, the bulldozing part?
0: No, I mean, if your goals are about, I think we need to have goals. It's healthy. It's healthy to want to have a great life for yourself, for your family. But when it becomes, I've talked to enough people in this world. I was a sports photographer for 20 something years. And there is a thing where we're so focused on goals. Every journal is, what are, my, what is, what are your goals? What are you get? Every single one. It's so inwardly focused in terms of a self-involved way that I've actually think it's become kind of unhealthy because it's always about what you want. Well, when it's always about what you want, you're not really concerned with anything else but what you want. But what we've learned is my goals are part of it. When it's about how is what I'm doing having a greater impact for other people, how is that going to come down and get what we want for ourselves? So I think Bob Burke had a great line, which I've really taken, which was like, how to make money is not a bad question. It's just a bad first question. And I think so often when we have our own selfish goals, that's the first question as opposed to what's the impact I'm trying to make. If I connect with other people, if I do it in a way that is helpful and generous, what people don't get is the most successful people that do this, not only get what they want, but then they build out a collaboration. They build out a network around them that then starts feeding back into them. So you end up getting so much more than you initially wanted, because when you go after your own goals, you're the only one that really cares. So you're going to go for it. When you have a collaboration around you, when you have been generous to people, and you've been connecting people together. What happens is you go after what you want, but then you also have, hey, let me help you with this. Let me help you with that. And then all of a sudden, it grows exponentially, and you wind up getting way more than you even wanted by having generous goals first. So there's nothing wrong with having it, but you only go so far when you're just going after what you want. And that was a hard lesson for me to learn. I didn't get that for a while.
1: What was it like being a sports... Photographer, what does that mean? That you worked for a paper or a journal of some sort, and they sent you out? Hey, you're covering the Cubs tonight. Go! Yeah,
0: yeah. I worked for a couple of different magazines, uh, wire services, news agencies, newspapers, and got to got to have a pretty. You know, I like, traveled all over the country. I think I wow. shot in over 140 stadiums around the country, Super Bowls, World Series. Wow! You know, my wife and I both got hired to fly out to Scottsdale, Arizona, to photograph Muhammad Ali's 70th birthday party with all these celebrities around and we're, you know, hanging out and shooting for four days. It was a pretty cool gig for a couple of decades.
1: This is amazing. Uh, I didn't realize this. So you're an artist. I consider myself a storyteller
0: in everything that I do. So when people said, oh, you're a photographer. Why don't you have your camera? I'm like, even when I was a photographer, I never considered myself a photographer. So we'd be at school. I went to school in Ohio and a lot of the journalism students had their camera everywhere. And I didn't. I'm chilling out. I'm eating a burrito. I'm not working right now. I'm having fun. They considered themselves, themselves photographers. From a very early on, I was like, I'm a storyteller. I love to tell stories one way or the other. So when I realized that, it made it easy to pivot careers. A lot of them had a hard time because when you're a photographer, you can only do photography. But if I'm a storyteller, well, as long as I can tell great stories and connect personally, I can, this is what happens now. I can photograph. I can write. So now I wrote a book. I can talk. So I have a podcast. I could be on interviews. I could speak on stage. I can communicate in a lot of different ways because I'm a storyteller. And I think being a photographer limited me or limits people, but being a storyteller allows me to go to whatever medium that I want in that time, even as a coach and work in that medium, because I want to be able to move back and forth. So yeah, artist, but the word I go to is storyteller.
1: Yeah, and uh, truth be told, uh, I always like to follow that up with, we're all, in fact, artists in one, one form or another, just like I believe we are all creative inherently, it's just how much we decide to lean in and pursue that. How could the person listening, either an entrepreneur, an executive, a business person, take that concept of almost don't pigeonhole yourself. You had the foresight to know, wait a minute, if I say I'm a photographer, that's really just going to pin me into a corner perhaps. And, and you figured out how to work around that. It's a very interesting concept. Could, could the person listening do something with that?
0: Oh, I agree. It's the, it's the Bruce Lee line, which is like, be like water. Water has structure, but it moves. Like if you put water into a cup, it becomes a cup. You put it into a bowl, it becomes a bowl. So you want to have structure what you're doing. But if you can be fluid with that, you can transfer. So that's what I love to do in terms of helping people. It's like so many people are in the corporate world and they go, oh, you know, I'm always doing this. And I'm like, do you realize the skills that you developed in this career? And all these years of doing this, whatever it is that you're great at, communication, tech, whatever it is, that's tra- those are transferable skills. And they're transferable skills that can go to different industries that are maybe a little more modern or they fit your life. That's where total life freedom comes into. If you're stuck in an office with a certain skill, can you not take that same skill, live and move to Bradenton, Florida, right? Work from your own home and do those same things for better clients where you get to control your time and you get to have no ceiling on your money. You get a job, you get benefits, blah, blah, blah. Not realizing those skills, even though you've been stuck in this career for 20 years, are transferable out like water where you can go and take those things and now put it into a bowl instead of a cup and now make a better life for yourself. I think people have been so conditioned and trained to not realize how transferable that is.
1: I want to go back to something we sort of touched upon a few segments ago when you were talking about the brutal honesty and people don't always want to rock the boat and they don't mm-hmm. want to hurt people or they don't want to be so direct or vice versa. They don't want to feel like they're... So Like, let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah that defines so much of my story and my history that I just played small because I didn't want to make you feel insecure. I didn't mm-hmm. want you coming back at me in any way. Cause I couldn't defend myself. How do you, how do you work with people around that? Allowing them to really be comfortable in their own skin, be comfortable with voicing what they know they should voice yep. and really being the person that they should and are able to be.
0: It's a great question. It really is. And it's nuanced. It really is. It's, it's not like, oh, here's the three-step thing. It, it, I think I look at it in terms of the way that I teach, even in terms of being a parent. We have three boys. We homeschool. And you know, it's a challenge, right? We homeschool. And so we didn't want to basically send on a normal path. I wasn't on a normal path. Most of us aren't, even though we fit into it. Our oldest son, you know, he's on the spectrum. He's got ADHD. And there's those challenges that come with it. But from a young age, he was into bugs. From the, four years old, he was into bugs, spiders. For Christmas, he wanted a tarantula. We told him no. He said, then can I have a scorpion? We told him no.
1: <laughs> Smart boy, yeah.
0: But when we went to Arizona a couple, four years ago, he caught a couple scorpions. I'm sorry, and, where
1: did that conversation lead? He said, can I have a spider? Can I have a, a tarantula? Can I have a scorpion? Then where? How did that conversation wind up? Legos, probably Legos, oh, okay. and he was not okay. happy. Okay, fine. So no but, scorpion. Or, right.
0: But he said, I want to catch one someday. So we went to Arizona for a couple of months. Four or five years ago, and he caught a couple scorpions. At that point, he'd been studying it for eight years and he was serious. He, he wasn't a joke. So we're like, so we started drawing pictures, he started writing about it. What happened was around 10 years old, he decided not to play baseball. And all the neighbors were like, Why aren't you playing baseball? Because I don't want to play baseball. I love looking for bugs. You know, this is what I want to do. So I'm like, so I listened to him and we'd been talking to him. And one of the kids said, You're weird. And I heard him say thank you. Because that's what we taught him to say. If someone, because he'd been saying, people call me weird. If they call you weird, say thank you. Because why would you want to be like everybody else? So from an early age, he he took that and he took pride in that. Thank you. Yeah, I am weird. Why would I want to be like everybody else? And they, the kids were dumbfounded because they'd never heard anybody say that. Everybody wants to follow along. So when our youngest son was playing baseball, you know, eighteen kids on the field, everybody wearing the same uniform, and Andrew went and caught a snake, looking behind me, and all of a sudden he's got. Twelve kids around him, six adults, and they're all just surrounding him, asking him questions. At 10, 11 years old, he's leading all these people on these bugs that everybody's scared of, and now they're not scared of them anymore. Now he's teaching them this is what they're why they're good for the environment. And I'm watching him lead, and I'm like, this is what I was hoping might happen. So now at sixteen years old, he has his own he has his own business. He does birthday parties. He brings his, he's got eight scorpions, five tarantulas a snake, a hissing cockroach all in our house. Some of them get out sometimes. and But he goes to birthday parties. He goes to events. We go down to Siesta Key here in Florida. The kid in five hours makes like $200 a night in tips from just letting people hold a tarantula and they give them tips for it. And they say, I've been afraid of these things my whole life and you helped me get over my fears. And I'm like, so I kind of gave a story to your answer, but it's kind of that. It's like, what are you unique at? That you've been beaten down from, right? My story was I love sports when I was a kid. Went to my guidance counselor. What do you want to do with your life? And I said, I have no idea. I'm 16 years old. I said, I just, this is what I said. I said, I know I don't want to wear a tie. And she got mad at me. She really got mad. She, she said, No, really? What's your answer? I said, I, said, I don't want to work. I don't want to sit in an office like this with an orange light wearing a tie for the rest of my life. And she kicked me out of her office. So for six years, After I got out of school, five years, I struggled. I dropped out of college five times. I got arrested for stealing. And I told you, I wasn't a really good person back then. And it wasn't until my dad, when I was at a crisis, I said, I don't know what I'm doing with my life at 22. He said, well, you love traveling. You like sports. He goes, you take pictures. Why don't you be a photographer? I was like, you could be a sports photographer. Never did it cross my mind that people get paid to be on the field next to players that I idolized that I watched on TV every night. That could be my job. So I made it my job, even though there weren't jobs, it wasn't advertised, but I went to games every night, bought the cheapest ticket at Shea Stadium. And I would, Yankee Stadium walk down to the front row and I would sneak out and I would ask the photographers questions every night. They were my first real teachers, 22 years old. And after doing that for a couple of years, I got my first free internship. So I was called the Vintern. That was another nickname. And then I got hired at minimum wage. So then I was minimum Wage. So it's another nickname. (laughs) Stop seriously, no joke. And, but it led to where I got hired for the NHL. And then I started working for the New York range, New York Islanders, went back to school at Ohio, won the William Randolph Hearst national championship, became the top journalist, student journalist in the world, in the country. And then I realized that that meeting with that guidance counselor, if she would have said to me, what are you interested in? Instead of here's what you're going to do. Mm. I would have said, I'm interested in sports. And she would have probably said, well, you're, Five nine and a half, and you're kind of slow. Actually, you're really slow. You're never going to go pro. I'd be like, Oh, she can. Can you handle that? I'd be like, Yeah, I guess you're right. Like, but there's a whole industry out there. You could be a writer. You could be a photographer. You could be a statistician. You could work the grounds crew. You could work the scoreboard. You could be in that world if you want to be. I would have been the best student at that school because I would have went all in. But instead, because I was told to wear a tie, I didn't care, and I just couldn't wait to graduate as one of the worst students in my school that I found out the day before graduation that I was even going to graduate. So I think it really comes down to uniqueness of what you are and having the boldness to be weird and go after what you want.
1: It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Is there a, is there a place online or somewhere where we can see some of your, your work as a photographer? Oh,
0: it's funny. I haven't even updated our photography site. Elizabeth Vincent Storytellers is the way I have to see if it's still up. I think it's still up. I'll send you the link, and on there is a sports. It's weddings. We did weddings in corporate and sports, wow. so it, it evolved to that. So there's a whole. You can see all the images. You can see like the Super Bowl and the you know all the all the travels around the country. There's there's a LeBron James right before they won a championship, and hmm. you know all the big name athletes. It was yeah, that was that was my life for a long period of time.
1: Tell me about Total Life Freedom. How did that one day you're not doing it and now you are doing it? How did that come about?
0: Yeah. It had gotten to the point about five years ago that I was kind of done. Never get to the thing. Like I'm good at it. I'm kind of the expert at it, but I'm kind of not feeling challenged literally between a a game that I was shooting one night. And then I had a wedding that Saturday and I I was going through an adrenal fatigue. That's why I mentioned the health part of it. And I was so tired all the time. I was up all night. I was tired all day. And we went to shoot this wedding. My wife and I are photographers together. We were we're partners in the business, she would go shoot the brides getting ready. I'd go shoot the guys getting ready. Well, I showed up at the guy's house and I don't remember anything at all. I was so tired. So I just shot and I just went through the motions of everything for 10 hours. And I remember driving home that night being like, I sucked. I'm like, I don't think I did good at all. This is going to be the first complaint that we get. And then we did the images we sent to him a week later. She's like, these are amazing. These are the best pictures. And at that moment, I think a lot of people would be like, oh, this is great. You know, I don't even have to think about it, and I Phone went home. In. And I, huh. What's that? Phone it in. Phone it in. I went home and I said, "I'm done." I told Elizabeth, "I said I'm done." I, said, I can't. I need. I need to. I can't do this. If I know that I could just sleepwalk through it, I'm not doing 20 years of just getting a little bit better, not care. So she was awesome. She was like, and then we did a wedding, and some drunk guy was like trying to fight me, and like, and I said to her, "I said." It happens. It happens at weddings. You get that. They're all wasted. And I said to her, I said, I'm tired of photographing drunk people dancing at 1030 at night. <laughs> and she said, I understand. So I, she said, what are we going to do? I said, well, I was at a wedding and I was coaching this DJ on his business because he wasn't, he was great DJ, but he was bad at his business. So I sat there while we we're eating dinner, coaching him on his business for free, not thinking about it. Just, Hey, what about this? What about that? We go out there. And as we go to the reception I go, I don't want to go there. Never said that before in the entire time of shooting. I said, I want to stay here. I want to keep talking to him. There's so much we can do. He had to go do the, the thing. He called me back again, tell me how he's, he's turning his business around, blah, blah, blah. And I said to Elizabeth, I said, that's what I want to do. That's how it started. So I started writing a book. I said, well, maybe there's a book in here. There's a lot of stories. I wrote a book called Freelance to Freedom that published in 2018. And so when the book came out, that led to a lot more interest The coaching business started that led to a mastermind and then a second mastermind and then a membership community underneath it. And there's a lot more to it, but that's the basic basic layout of how it shifted. And then we shut down the business, right? Not that long after that happened with that, maybe a year later, filled out our commitments and then moved on.
1: And I imagine this many years later, you're completely satisfied. It sounds like you've tapped into your passion and your interest and, and how you're serving.
0: Totally. But I'm always, I have the saying that I want to be content, but not satisfied. I'm content. I love life the way it is, but I'm not a very good maintainer. When things become just like good, I get kind of bored. So this has worked out wonderfully, but I also have other things like this next book that I'm writing, and it's tentatively titled The Wealth of Connection, which is so in my wheelhouse of what I love talking about. Human connection, you know, building a network building what we talked about before. like When you have it all around you and you can serve into those people, not only is it so satisfying for me, but it, it, it helps business in every way. Like I don't really have to ask to be on podcasts. You build relationships and then they ask you to be on. I don't have to pitch anybody. I don't have a, a one sheet and I don't have anything like that. It really just all comes from connections and relationships. If you do a good job, it keeps coming back. So now we're going towards that. I want to do a lot of speaking on that I have a keynote written out that I just I've given a bunch of times. I want to I want to keep doing that. The book that's coming out in 2022, and then things around that. So that's the that's the not satisfied part. That's the next thing to build up. a total life freedom is is right in our wheelhouse.
1: Yeah, we were saying I think right before we hit record that we and and I mentioned this on the air that we met recently in person at Podfest Origins in Tampa, Florida, which was fantastic. Yep. It gave us the opportunity to from a completely virtual business relationship. Now we got to meet and hang out in person for a while. But I sort of joked that when you were saying goodbye Um, I was sitting in a row with a few other of our colleagues and you just sort of went down the line, shaking all of our hands like, goodbye, see you. Nice seeing you. Oh, it's always good to see you. And I then thought like, I was like, this is great. Like Vincent knows all the same people I know. And I I asked you about that. I said, do you have sort of the same relationship with them as you might with me? That's what I think the world
0: is. That's what I think is what matters. What matters is when I'm talking to Josh to give Josh my full attention. That's what matters to me. If, if, if we're having a conversation, listen to what you're saying instead of thinking about what I'm going to say next, right? These are all weaknesses of mine at an earlier part of life that I've had to relearn or learn the first time. I was in a conversation with a guy named Devin. We were both speaking at a conference and we talked a couple months later. And every time I would go to talk, every time we go to talk, we kind of talked over each other hmm. and he would stop and I would keep talking. I'm like, oh good. I get to make my point. It wasn't about like five times in that I realized, oh no, no, no. What he's doing is intentional. What he's doing is when we start talking at the same time, he stops on purpose to show me respect and let me speak. And I was like, I never got that. So there's these little nuances of communication that not only are we not good at a, as a culture at, but I think it's getting worse, even though technology is awesome. We're, we're awful at the follow-up. We're awful at asking great questions. We're awful at introducing ourselves or saying goodbye. Or... There's so many little things that makes such a huge difference in life and in relationships and business. And that's why this book and this message of like, I don't care about all those other stuff. I don't care about the brand. I know it matters, but if your relationships are good, if you know how to communicate with people, if you know how to make people feel good because it's about them and not about you, people are going to like you and then you're going to get what you want. You don't need to do that stuff. So I almost intentionally don't promote just to show you can build a successful business without any of that stuff. Not that it's a bad thing to do, but I just, it's almost like my rebelliousness. Like, let me show you that you could do this without all that stuff. So if I'm leaving and I see you guys, I'm going to make it a point to say goodbye and to leave and to make people feel special like they should feel the best that I can.
1: What is at the heart of total life freedom? What is the, what is the whole motive there? What's the theme and who is the ideal client that you're, you're looking to work with?
0: the idea of total life freedom came because we were on a, what happened was we had, I released my book in 2018 and I'm like, I'm a nobody. So I'm not doing a book tour and I'm not doing, you know, book signing things and and invite my friends. So I look popular. Like, I'm like, no, I'm paying my dues for what just happened. I had a lot of great people endorse the book. You know, Seth Godin endorsed it and Dan Miller and David helped it out so much in terms of his message, but didn't, I I didn't know him personally, but we're like, we're going to drive across the country as a family for four months and we're going to make a family adventure from this. And we're going to go thank all the people that helped us with this book. Because it wouldn't have happened without that. We're going to do a thank you tour. That's what it was. So we went around and giving the book out and meeting people and meeting in person. And, per- and so along the way, I got to give the book to Seth Godin, which was the highlight for me. Because he's like just the top sure. for me. And the day that we were going to see him, I was, we were going to the beach. We were in Oceanside. And my friend, Andrew Buckwalter, called me and he goes, what are you doing? I'm like, it's 11 o'clock. We're going to the beach. We're catching crabs. He's like, man, you got total life freedom. I was like, what was that? What did you just say? And Elizabeth was going inside to get sandwiches. I said, hey, can you check the domain total life freedom? It's not going to be there. She comes back, so like, it's eleven ninety nine on GoDaddy. <laughs> <You're> like, buy <laughs> it,
1: buy it. Retail. You know, we collect.
0: We collect. You know, domain names like we collect baseball cards. It's like of just course. get another one. But that one actually stuck. And from it was like the idea of time, money, and location freedom. Can you build that? Can we help other people build that? So the idea of the corporate person or well, the person stuck in their business, can we help you build a business that will give you all those things? Time, most important, money, and location, freedom. When you have the time and money, the location becomes easy. This year, we're in Florida for the winter time. We said, we don't want to live in Pittsburgh anymore. We loved it. We're moving. Got home and packed up and moved. That's freedom. And that's location freedom. So now we travel a lot. We live in paradise. And then we get to help other people hopefully do the same.
1: What about the person who hears that and says, yeah, that's all fine and dandy for you. I'm an exception. That cannot work for me. And it won't. It won't
0: work for them. Because if you don't do it, it's not going to happen. I'm, I'm not your babysitter. I'm not here to tell you, you know. oh, I will encourage, I will do all this stuff. But I do find when negative people will find a problem in every solution. And if you're not willing to be coached, and you're not willing to listen, and if you think you have all the answers, what I generally do with people like that, when they go, that's not possible, say, okay, and that's all I say when I find, cause I was that defiant person and I would give you all the reason. And when I would get the more astute people, I'd be, okay, I'd want to argue more, but they weren't arguing with me. Okay. And then they'd start like, well, maybe, maybe if I did this, yeah. Okay. And then I'll start kind of like, when they start thinking, then I will start. But, but if you're, if your heels are dug in and you're, you you do not think you could do it, you can't do it. We have it on our wall, the Henry Ford thing. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And if you, my my job is not to pull that out of you that doesn't want to do it. My job is to help the people that want to. You can't help somebody that doesn't want to be helped. And that was the hardest part for me in coaching for the first couple of years because I was trying to help a whole lot of people that didn't want to be helped. And when I let them go and went towards people that actually wanted it, I was happier and they were more successful.
1: Vincent, let's make sure we get a part 2 on the books at some point in the future because this is just extraordinary. This is it's just really really cool talking with you, not only in person. That was magnificent, that was great, but officially on the show. Thank you, sir. This is really really exciting.
0: Hey, thank you. I, I so appreciate you doing this, having me on like this and sharing your platform, you know, with me. It's an honor and, and love what you're doing. Can't wait to can't wait to meet up in person again.
1: We'll do it. Where can the listener continue the conversation with you? com, which has been retail bought.
0: Yes, <laughs> exactly. Four years now, four and a half years. Uh, TotalLifeFreedom.com, and I have a daily podcast, daily short form solo show. No intro, no outro, as I am right to the point. It's like five to seven minutes, and it's seven days a week. Uh, so Total Life Freedom podcast, if anybody wants to check it out. And that's about it.
1: That is about it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you kindly for joining us. We'll do it again soon. Hey, you made it to the end of the episode. Doesn't it feel great to start something and finish it? I love that feeling. Here's what I want you to do next head on over to my website, joshcarrycom slash podcast, and let me know exactly what you loved most about this episode. What did you learn? What did you discover? What are you going to do next? And I'm going to send you a free gift as my way of saying thanks. I appreciate you taking your time to tune in today. We'll do it again soon.